0: There's one question that I seem to get asked, or one type of questions all the time, those kind of small talk questions like, if you're an animal, what kind of animal would you be? And I just don't know how to answer those questions. Like, I don't know if that's how the animal kingdom works. If you're a pig, you can decide I'm going to change. So I don't know if these animals are changing, but I can't answer that. But I do know one animal I don't want to be, and that's a mayfly, because they live for 24 hours. They come into the world 24 hours, and then they die. Like, what would you do? Well, we're going to find out. So let's watch this video and see what a Mayfly does. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't get how that's an ad for Vodafone. But yeah, but did you catch that? So the Mayfly lives for 24 hours, but he's not sad because he lives life doing whatever he wants to do. And if we did that and went with Vodafone, we'd have a great life. So guys, Vodafone. Um, (laughs) Nah. So the point of that ad, doing whatever you want is what a life not wasted looks like. But if this life isn't the end, if that's all there is, sure, do what you like. But if, if this life isn't all there is, would that be a waste of your life? Because the Bible says that the reality is there is life after death. So it is possible to waste your life then. The Bible also says if you live your life rejecting God, you would have wasted your life. Even if you spend your life doing good things... It's not enough. But take it a step further. Can a Christian waste their life? So someone who does decide to put their trust in Jesus, can they waste their life? How can you be sure that your life will matter? We're going to look at today, what is the goal of the Christian life? Which is a very important question to ask. A question I didn't ask till I was about 19. I went through school as a Christian, but not really thinking what does it mean? What's the goal? I went to church, I read my Bible, I spent hours a week serving, but I never once thought about what it meant to, um, you know, what was the goal of a Christian life. But once I discovered what that was, I found out that I had actually lived my life wasting it. There we go, got there in the end. So God doesn't want us to waste our lives. He actually makes it clear in the Bible what, should we, what we should do to not waste our life. So we're going to dig in there today And we're going to read those first three verses from 18 to 20 and see what Jesus says. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Think about how strange that is. There's just some guys fishing... Jesus rocks up and says, hey, follow me, and they're like, yeah, right, and they go follow him, and then immediately he goes up to another two guys, and they're fishing, he's like, you guys follow me, and immediately they're like, yep, yeah, let's go. Well, that seems quite, quite strange, but that is the goal of the Christian life. So you might think, how does it apply to me? I'm not a fisherman, you know, I thought you said, what's the goal for my life? And that's a fair point. You can't just go to the Bible and find any old verse and go, it applies to me. So let's do a little bit of work and I'll show you how it does apply to you. So we're going to have to quickly look at the end of Matthew. So I'm sorry, spoiler alert. We're only up to chapter four, but I'm going to tell you how it ends. Um, So these fishermen spend the following years going with Jesus, becoming his disciples. A disciple is one who follows, in this context, a follower of Jesus or a Christian. So these guys follow Jesus and they're with him till the end. Then, after Jesus rises from the dead, he appears to them and gives them a mission. Their goal, what he expects them to do. And that's in Matthew 28. And it's going to pop up on the screen there. Jesus tells them, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So, Jesus says, Go and make disciples. So, to make followers, to make Christians. And then he tells the disciples to teach the disciples they make to obey everything Jesus commanded them. It's kind of this line going, Jesus makes a disciple who makes a disciple. And the idea is that it keeps on going. And that's where we came from, you know, all the way through there. With that in mind, we're going to jump back to Matthew 4, and we see the first thing Jesus commands his disciples to do. And that's in verse 19, where Jesus says, Come, follow me. And I will send you out to fish for people. So the goal of the Christian life is separated into two points. And that first point being to follow. A Christian is one who follows. And I'm going to teach you how to follow. Not like a creepy, like, you know, so you can see someone just like, where are they going? (laughs) Don't do that. I'd suck at that. So here's how you follow someone, all all right? I've been preparing for a while. So you're standing here person walks past and yeah there you go follow them so what I did was I left where I was standing and I followed where they're going or I pursued them and I know it's pretty stupid to here's how you follow someone you all know what following means but do you know what it looks like in the Christian life so to become a Christian we confess that Jesus is the son of God we repent of our sins and we hand over the key of our lives to him and declare him the king but it doesn't end there, because we are now disciples. We are followers of Jesus. We don't just give Jesus our sin, but we give him all of our lives. And that's what these fishermen did. But wait, these fishermen, we know that they're the disciples of Jesus, they're the 12 apostles, the ones who spread Christianity throughout the whole world. But right here and now, that's not them yet. They're just ordinary fishermen, smelly, unimpressive, uneducated, stinky, ordinary, smelly fish guys. The guys who, if you were lost and looking for the train station, you'd probably see them and start to say, hey, where's it? Oh, never mind, man. I'm good. I'll just stay wherever I am. So at this point, the disciples aren't these super religious guys. They're just ordinary people, classic tradies, fishermen. But yet they followed Jesus and it cost them everything. We're going to read verses 20 and 22 and dive into what it cost them. Verse 20. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So Jesus isn't asking these fishermen to leave a life of evil, like they're making cats fight in a a ring or something. I don't know, that's not really that evil, is it? they would probably just be like... I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, he didn't call them away from doing evil stuff. He called them away from from normal good things. Like, there's nothing wrong with having a job and going fishing with your dad. These are great things. But he's calling them away from the security of these things... And said, follow me. And they did. So think, what is it costing you to follow Jesus? If you're not feeling the cost of following Jesus in any area of your life, are you truly following him? Now, I'm not saying you need to leave here tonight deciding, all right, that's it, not going home, I'm gonna live on the streets and never talk to anyone again for Jesus. That's not my point, that's really weird. If you do that, all the best. Actually, don't do that. No one do that. <laughs> it's great to have family, jobs, and friends, but are you feeling the cost of being a Christian? And if it came to it, would you sacrifice these things if it stopped you from following Jesus? In our culture, it's not too hard to live as a Christian. Maybe our family or friends might disagree or tease us, but at the end of the day, it's pretty safe. But I want to tell you about a friend of mine. His name is Dat, which is I think is one of the coolest names you can have. That's him. I couldn't find a, a photo of him. I went on Facebook to find it. But Dat Nguyen is one of the common, most common names ever, apparently. And after going through like 50 pages, I gave up. But I had a video of him singing. And this is, anyway, I don't need to tell you where I got that photo from. That's Dat. He gave up a whole lot to follow Jesus. Um, so in my second year of uni, I met Dat. His parents had paid for him to fly over to Australia to study teaching. And he moved into college. And over the year, I got to know him more and more. But he came from a Muslim family, and he knew nothing about Christianity when he first arrived in Australia. Um, Eventually, after it was about a year and a half, he decided to put his trust in Jesus, which is a great thing. But it was a really hard decision, because if he became a Christian, his whole family would disown him. His parents would be like, you are not my son, and they wouldn't talk to him anymore. That's how some Muslim families can relate, if you turn away from their faith. But that, he made that decision. The cost was high, but he thought it was worth it. And from that point, his parents stopped paying for his degree and they didn't talk to him. I think still to this day, he doesn't have contact with his family. So what is it costing you to follow Jesus? What are you clinging to too tightly that is holding, um, holding you back and it won't last in eternity? Now, no one likes making sacrifices. And when I say these next things... Some of you will feel uncomfortable. It made me feel uncomfortable writing them. Because no one likes to be told they have to make a sacrifice, even if you know you should. But we need to be ready and willing to make them for the sake of the gospel going out. So what does sacrifice look like when following Jesus? It's choosing to come to youth on Friday nights. That's a sacrifice. There's other things to do during the week. It's going along to ministry sessions, seeing how you can serve at EV Youth, It's thinking carefully about who you date and whether or not that person will help you sacrificially follow Jesus. And maybe it's laying aside your plans for your dream job after school and giving your life to full-time gospel work. All Christians need to be ready to pay the cost of leaving their dreams behind, to see many people become Christians. It's a huge cost but there is so much need in the world for people to know Jesus. So it's a serious decision to consider. But know that not all people should do that. There are really good reasons not to do that. I know a lot of committed Christians who don't do full-time ministry, but give so sacrificially with their money and with the time they do have. A full-time gospel worker is no better than a full-time teacher Both people need to make their decisions and sacrifices with the gospel in mind. Because the goal of the Christian life is to follow Jesus and we have seen that we need to give up things in order to follow him. But there's no point in us following if we don't know where we're going. So we're now going to jump back into 19 and see the second part of the Christian goal. The first was to follow and now it's to fish. Back in 19. Come, follow me. And I will send you out to fish for people. So Jesus says he will send these fishermen out to fish for people. What does that mean? It's a weird concept. You're not chucking nets on people or, I don't know, that's weird. Definitely don't chuck hooks at people, guys. That's not good. Anyway, we're going to see in the two verses surrounding the section we read what it means to fish for people we're going to read verses 17 and 23 back to back. Let's see if we can do that. All right. In 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then down at 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness amongst the people. So we see Jesus, he preaches the good news of repentance He gets four fishermen to follow him and then he goes throughout all of Galilee preaching the good news of the gospel. That is what Jesus has in mind when he uses the phrase, fish for people. Tell them the good news of Jesus. All right. So what does that mean for us? It means we join in with Jesus' mission. We get to tell the world that forgiveness of sins can now be found through Jesus. In other words... As followers of Jesus, we want to see more people follow Jesus. It's that domino effect we saw earlier. I'm not sure if you understand that this great news of salvation has been God's plan throughout the whole Bible, throughout all of history. One way you can sum up the Old Testament of your Bible is that sin separates us from God. We're not good enough to do anything about it, but God promises that he will send one who will save us from our sin. Fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus arrives and finally God comes down to save us if we trust him as our saviour and our king. Jesus is the point. We see God's love, mercy and justice displayed in Jesus. The rest of the New Testament, the back part of your Bible, is about Christians making more Christians and teaching them how to be Christian. So those disciples go on and they're making more followers and teaching them what it means to live for Jesus. That is God's goal. And that should be our goal, our life's goal as Christians. But there is an urgency to this. We don't know when our time will come. We don't know when anyone else's time will come. But we do know what is coming. And that is that one day Jesus will return to judge everyone. Everyone. In John 3.36, it says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. So we want to see as many people as we can come to know life. So imagine this. You're sitting out in your paddock. I know everyone has one. It's a new trend these days. And a helicopter lands in your paddock. A guy runs out, comes up to you, and he tells you that... A weird virus has contaminated Australia's water and now everyone's infected and in a week we're all going to die because we all drink water. And he shows you enough evidence that you're like, wow, this is true. But then he hands you a cure to that and you take that. Man, you're so relieved. You now know you're safe from this virus. But you notice there's enough more stuff in this cure. I didn't really think that far through what it looks like. But there's enough stuff in there that you can give it to more people and the guy tells you, go out in the Central Coast, tell everyone about this, give them the cure, I'm going to fly off to another part of Australia and do the same. And he entrusts you with that task. Would, would you not do that? At least tell some people? Like You'd go home, tell your friends, tell your family, and you could pass that cure on, and you'd expect them to do the same, because it's really important. Now, I'm aware that telling people about Jesus isn't as simple as... Hey, man, if you just read this, and they're like, oh, yeah, I see your point. Yeah, all right, I'll become a Christian. It's like, awesome, see you later. Like, it's not that simple. It'd be great if it was. But the story highlights the importance of that message that death and judgment are coming for all, but salvation for all is found in Jesus. The goal of the Christian life is to fish for people, meaning to see more people become Christians. And I summed it up as a Christian is someone who follows Jesus and lives to see more people follow him. So a Christian is someone who follows Jesus and then lives to see more people follow him. Okay, so how do we fish for people? Because it's easier said than done. The Bible doesn't contain a foolproof way for people to accept Jesus. Nor does it have a top 10 fishing tips segment on how to be a good fisher at the back. But think for a minute about how you became a Christian. To put it simply, someone shared with you the message of Jesus, and at some point you repented and you trusted in Him, and you started following Him. That's how you fish for people. You tell them the gospel. So what is stopping you from fishing for people? Maybe you feel like you don't know the gospel well enough. Then spend some time reading the Bible, reading the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John understand it. Or there's this really great tool you can look up on the internet called Two Ways to Live, which is a really simple way that it outlines the gospel that you can memorize and you can tell people. So you're always equipped to confidently tell people the gospel. I just want to share with you my vision. I want to see EV youth grow massively. This whole room filled with teenagers who have put their trust in Jesus. Do you want that? Is that something that you're looking forward to? Is that on your heart? If not, pray to God that he would change your heart and that you would desire to see more and more people come to put their trust in Jesus. And then be intentional about it. Don't waste your time at youth or at high school. I did. When I was in high school, I think I told one person to come to youth once and he was like, nah. And I was like, all right. And that was it. And I just threw in the towel. Don't do that. Instead, think of one person you could invite along to youth. Pray for them this week. Talk to them this week. And as you go through that process, remember that Jesus saved you. Trust that he will continue to save other people. And play your part, which is telling people about Jesus. So don't waste your life. Let's follow Jesus and fish for people Let's see EV youth grow in number, all for the glory of God.